Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. Today, I had the joy of being joined by two of my colleagues, the Reverend Cynthia Wilson and Reverend Jackson Henry. Jackson is the Director of Music Ministries. He is an ordained deacon here in the Tennessee Annual Conference and has been in ministry for over 20 years. Cynthia Wilson is the Associate General Secretary for Leadership Ministries here at Discipleship Ministries. Uh, that is to say, she is my immediate boss. She has uh, been at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary and at SMU Perkins School of Theology. She has been in ministry in local church for, for decades in the local church setting. And when I asked her what it is she wanted me to say about her, she wanted me to say that she loves Jesus, which I figured is a perfect thing to put on your resume. And so um, today's episode, we're looking at the connection between worship and small groups. And, and it's part of my contention is that uh, for many adults, as I study adults, uh, that they have lives that feel very fractured. They go from their work life to their home life to things they do in leisure to a, a worship service at church. And uh, for then those who, who go to a small group, uh, they go do that as well, and, and it may have zero to no connection with what happened in worship. And so it just adds to uh, their feeling of, of fracturedness of, of life that's going here and there. And so what we're going to discuss is how might we make worship the, the anchor of who we are, and then that small groups build upon that anchor for discipleship. So that's what you're going to hear in this conversation. Also listen out for some resources that we plug as well. So with that, we'll jump into the interview. One of the things that I say often is I love what I do and I love who I get to work with. And so I have the pleasure today of being with two of my colleagues and, and, an, and a media boss as well, right? So I'm, I'm very glad to be joined by Jackson and Cynthia today. And we're going to we'll talk about actually conversations we've had before informally. We're going to have it a little more formally today about the connection between worship and small groups. For a lot of adults, that their life just feels fractured. They go here, they go there. And one of the, the ideas that I've certainly tried to encourage is that worship and small groups ought to be intentionally connected together. And I think, feel like things go better for both of those when, when adults can be in both spots and know how they relate. So I, I want to talk about first, before we're talking about the, the connection, talk about the distinct roles each play. So I'm going to kind of throw this out to y'all. What's the distinct role that worship plays in discipleship? That's a great place to begin, Scott. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be a part of this dialogue. And I would say that um, often, all too often when we think worship, we think of it as separate and apart mm. from other things. Very true. And so I would say that if we think of worship as um, discipleship, if we think of worship as a lifestyle, mm. then we are hard-pressed to separate okay. what people do in small groups because they take themselves into that experience, right? Mm. Well, what that means is that we have become bodies, um, Romans 
um, age 12 and 1 and 2 right. reminds us that we present our bodies mm-hmm. as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Okay, so the individual body understands itself as a sacrifice to God. Then uh, understanding that we are an, a conspicuous embrace Mm. or an incarnation of who Christ is, then those individual bodies bring themselves together to form the body, okay. which would be then uh, represent not an emblem, but an actualization of what Christ meant uh, in Paul's letter uh, around the body of Christ mm. being, yes, different um parts, legs and arms and eyes, but one body. Uh, And because worship is um, an exercise in spirit and truth, then then the work of the spirit, um, Luke uh, reminded us of of what our work is. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to do what? What is that work Mm -hmm. that we've been anointed to do, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to give recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. Mm. So imagine these bodies, these minds, like-mindedness with the mind of Christ coming together. Lifestyles of worship then bring together a corporate understanding of worship that then begins the true um, understanding of how we encounter God. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. All right, good. And I'll, I'll speak from a, a little bit of an experiential uh, perspective that, you know, there's this flow that happens in worship. There, there, um, there is a uh, sort of a manifestation of the work of God that's present that, that comes into worship and pours out of worship. Um, and <clears throat> so, in a sense, worship is really an expression of this covenantal relationship that we have with God, oh, that, yeah. that God works and we work. There is an expectation that when we are present and when we worship that that God is going to be present and God is going to work, but it requires something of us too. So there is this this flow and and um, in the way that God works, in a sense, we're formed by what we say and what we do in worship. Right. right. So it forms who we are um, and a good bit of how we articulate our faith uh, comes from worship. Um, the songs and the hymns that we sing mm-hmm. from the liturgy itself. You know, if you're if you, if you want to understand what it means to resist evil and injustice and things, you know, uh, of that nature, we use the language that is present in our ritual um, in many ways to help us understand our faith too. So, worship is this flowing of the work and of the presence and of the spirit of God. Um, and uh, sort of pulls us even from that place. So it's that sort of out of time piece. That yeah, just, that makes sense. Yeah. Cynthia, you want to say something? I was just going to say also that one of the consummate examples of how that works is uh, found in the first century church. Um, mm, yeah. So, so remembering that there wasn't this real sophisticated uh, discipleship program that was launched to bring members into the church, but it was really the observation of the lifestyles of these Christ followers that drew others into groups 
They became a, that, absolutely. They became attractional just by their life. Precisely. Yeah. And and how did they meet? They met in small groups, right? right? In intimate settings, right. uh, so that uh, um, we we spoke earlier about we were talking earlier about how the conversations that ensued was, were probably conversations that strengthened the faith of these folks mm-hmm. who were faced with what? Persecution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Real encouraged. persecution. That's right. Real yeah. persecution. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I, I very much gathered from in what both of y'all said is that at, at our core, we're designed to worship. That, that's that, right. That's who we are. Right? So when we're, when, um, I'm going to say it this the wrong way, when we're living our best life, <laughs> when we're living into the fullness that God has for us, right? That mm-hmm. worship is an integral part of that. One of the things I see too often is people uh, that I know will either go to worship or they'll go to a small group mm-hmm. and see those as, as disconnected right. and separate experiences. And um, we want to bring those together. So how does worship and small group, how do they, what's the relationship? And I'll, I guess I'll leave it there. What, what's that relationship look like? We've talked about the distinctive role. How are they together? I really like this. I came across this quote um, by Rob Fuquay um, in the book Holy Contradictions, which is not about uh, worship, but I mm-hmm. specifically. But I think that it's relative to this conversation, uh, and, and especially about life as disciples together. He says there is no concept of Christian faith in the New Testament apart from community. Oh, yeah, that's we, good. We grow closer to Christ through fellowship with other believers, right? And so worship is a um, it, it is a place of community. It's a public witness. Yes. It's it's not something that is uh, hidden underneath the bushel. It's it's very public. It is a right. it is something that um, that is present, and so they they have a connection to one another. Um, in that, as Cynthia mentioned earlier, there is really n- not necessarily one living into the fullness without the other. Mm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Anything and, add? Yeah, go ahead. And and the passage that uh, reminds us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves yeah. together, I think, takes all of that into account. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, h- how do you see? How can small groups build and support what happens in worship? If we, as we've looked at that, h- how do you see small groups being able to reinforce to to dig deeper in what happens in worship? I think I think in in the small group settings, it um, it's a wonderful place to unpack mm-hmm. some of those um, real difficult theological themes uh, that one might hear, or to unpack what's actually happening in the context mm-hmm. in the culture. Um, so so then, um, the experience of coming together and assembling together. Is, is really uh, real life. Mm. Uh, and it puts what happens in worship, I think, uh, in a, a context that people are better able to grasp some of the precepts and principles that are put forth in Scripture as we hear it through prayers and preaching and song, mm. et cetera. Uh, so that's a, a safe space, I think, to have those hard yeah. conversations. 
And, yeah. yeah, and sometimes, you know, of course, this is coming from a church musician, so you know, take, <laughs> keep that in mind, but sometimes the pulpit's not enough. That's right. Uh, okay, I'll give an amen to that. Mm. Yeah, you know, the, the and, um, you know, as far as even what the congregation sings together, and those, I'll, you know, I'll equate that, too, with congregational singing and other mm-hmm. other forms of uh, of what we do in worship but the, sometimes there's just not enough time right. I remember um, a story um, uh, that comes out of my experience we were singing a hymn in church as it was a folk song we were singing a mm-hmm. folk song in church and um, we it was during Lent seemed most appropriate and we launched into um, singing Jesus Walk This Lonesome Valley. Mm. Well, I had, after the service, if you're familiar with that text, I mean, you know, it's Jesus walked this valley, he had to do it by himself. Nobody else could do it for him. Right. He had to do it by himself, right? Well, by the time you get to the end of this, it says that we have to walk this lonesome valley. We have to do it by ourselves. Nobody can do it for us. We, you know. Well, and a person who was a counselor came up to me afterward. Mm. And just asked me, please mm. don't sing that again. Wow. And so I had to ask why. And, and he said that um, that is the opposite of what we want mm-hmm. to tell people. That when you are a disciple, you don't do this on your own. Amen, yeah. And so the, uh, there wasn't an time to unpack what that song might say effectively in worship. But that would be something that you could look at and discuss in a small group setting that you couldn't do, couldn't do in worship. And that was a powerful moment for me. Yeah. I've never forgotten that. Yeah, that uh, brings up at least a couple of things. One is if you're at a church where there are no small groups and you're looking for an easy way to start a small group, uh, simply having a talk back of what, what happened, happened in worship. In worship today, what were the themes? Well, read the scripture and just just talk. Absolutely, right. Real easy, right? No curriculum there doesn't cost you a thing. And you can even you can even take from that to or sort of add to that a why we did what we did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Why we did it. Why was this chosen? And yeah. you can talk about it and flesh it out. But even from a planning team perspective, if you want to, you know, if you want to build trust in your mm-hmm. congregation, mm-hmm. just lay it out there and say why you did what you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That can be really powerful because. You know, we have degrees in this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know right. what's going on when the right. when the um, acolyte is walking in right. with the light, and I see that in my church every Sunday. And I I, I kind of look around and I'm, I'm wondering, hey, does anyone else notice what's happening? Does anyone else care? Yeah. Right. And and so how do we bring some attention to that? That perhaps in worship isn't the proper setting, but afterwards. And and one of the things that I hear both of you saying is that when worship is done well. It's participatory and active. Mm-hmm. That's when it's done well. Mm-hmm. And we know that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Too often, our worship experiences we go, we sit in a pew, um, we might sing, or if you're like me, you'd sing real quietly. Um, but you're, you're talked to, you, your prayers happen. There's no real engagement in that unless I actively seek that. Right. Absolutely. And so a small group can give some time for me to ask questions about what's happening, right, and to make it personal. Right, that yeah. you know, the pastor said this, and that was really impactful. And how can I dig and just more? process it yeah. and discern it as a group? You know, sort mm-hmm. of figure, figure. You know, because the best, the best ideas don't oftentimes don't come from one person. Right. Yeah, amen. Yeah. And, and one of the things that emerges, hopefully, from that that whole process is that people are given permission then 
to be participants and not yes. spectators, yes. that they understand their role yes. in um, the enterprise of, of worship. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you, you all have, have preached as well, and I know there's nothing like when you get a good amen when you're preaching. It's like, <laughs> all right, there's someone alive out there. You know, then you get more excited, right? And it's, you know, much more participatory, and, and, and everybody is joining in and a part of that. Um, so oftentimes small groups will have times of worship. They'll say, not my group, they don't want to hear me sing, but, <laughs> but other groups will, will incorporate acts of worship right. into their small group. What, what advice would you have for uh, perhaps small groups that have that sort of talent or desire to bring that into? Because I think there's a lot of, of worship elements can add to a small group experience. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I agree there are some really creative ways um, to embody to experience um, group or corporate worship. Um, one of those ways, of course, would be prayer. Yeah. Um, and in my tradition, um, we say that when we sing, we pray twice. Mm. Uh, so to introduce a, a simple phrase, a simple melody uh, that everybody can participate in or not, yeah. or to intersperse, uh, a simple melody with a spoken prayer, a breath prayer. Um, another way is, is actually reading and experiencing the scripture in Electio Divino, okay. where the scripture is actually read several times, mm -hmm. and people are given an opportunity to reflect on it in silence and then to share what shimmered uh, in that experience. Um, testimony is a, mm. a real major piece in, in the tradition that I come from where people just kind of say where they've seen God mm. in that particular day. So it's important that we allow worship to look different ways and not pigeonhole sure. what worship structurally uh, looks like. Uh, yeah, and, and to build on even something that you said a minute ago, Scott, um, you know, a simple way, if you don't have any singers in a group mm -hmm. who are comfortable you know, sort of moving through some of that together uh, musically. Or been told not to, to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been given the space or may not see those gifts in themselves. How about that? There but but um, simply light a candle, mm. you know, to have a presence where so that when people um, come into a holy space to worship together mm -hmm. and they see um, the lighting of a candle, mm -hmm. that the, it's a reminder for them that it's a holy time. Yeah. And so something as easy as having a candle lit in the midst of your discussion mm -hmm. reminds you that you're in the presence of God yeah. together. Um, and I'll, I'll even turn to our resources here and say that um, there may be some other um, ritual actions or, uh, okay. as Cynthia mentioned, prayers, other things that are present that you can add to that time together that um, will be a, another connecting point because it's something that you would have worshipped on, you know, done in worship on on a Sunday, for instance, or a Saturday mm -hmm. evening or whenever it is that you have your service. Mm -hmm. And then you would be able to come to that small group time and revisit that piece of the liturgy. Um, yeah, I think those it, are all... can be powerful. Yeah, very helpful to... Sometimes small groups can get in a habit that's much more intellectual. Yeah. And what y'all named are some good experiential ways of engaging. Yeah. And I really like the idea of when you, when you sing, you pray twice. Because mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of people, one of their greatest fears of a small group is they're going to ask me to pray. Yes. Right? And if you can kind of help that in any way, one way is to sing. Yes. Right? Let's just sing. Some people are, are way more comfortable singing than they are praying. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's great. And I, I like the idea of lighting a candle, which 
you know, in my mind, I could see that being a great way to introduce some silence, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, that's awkward for people whenever we introduce silence. And, and, and I would say, yes, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well, and that, that, that's the time when, what is it, the deep speaks to deep, right. you know? Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and allow that to happen in worship, allow that to happen in a small group. Yes. And, and be okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what other... What other wisdom would y'all like to? Y'all have a lot of wisdom, um, and we're getting just nuggets of it what today. What are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have lots of, of, of wisdom. Any other wisdom you want to pass on about this connection between uh, what happens in worship and what happens in a small group, and and how we can best be intentional about marrying those and and keeping that bond tightly together? I know we're gonna talk in just a second about some some resources we have to help enable that. But any other wisdom you would give or? Uh, thoughts or comments you want to make about that? Well, just just to revisit um, the the beginning conversation around us being mm. bodies of Christ and um, individually representing Christ wherever we are. Um, I I always like to encourage people that the real worship begins at the benediction, mm-hmm. um, and so as you leave the corporate experience and move into the world. It is when you actually get to be salt, get to be light representing uh, Christ. But then the small group experience even emerges out of the benediction. So you move from the larger crowd into the smaller crowd and you bring your whole self. You know the, the song we used to sing, you put your whole self in, you take your whole self out and you shake it all about. You do the whole book and you turn yourself around. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. So the the, uh, the the corporate experience may not allow you to to present your whole self mm-hmm. as you understand yourself to be, but that small group experience allows you maybe to broaden uh, all of who you've been called to be and mm-hmm. then empower you to go into further into the world to do the gospel. That's good. You reminded me of a book title. I think it was Clayton Smith. I may have an author wrong, but it's called... Um, sent and gathered. We typically think of worship as gathered right. and then sent. Right. But think about worship beginning at that benediction. Yeah. Really is powerful to, to think about how am I living this out and I come back to worship spent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, when yeah. I did a, um, a course in homiletics, at, you could preach the paint off the walls, but my professor would always, Zan Holmes would always oh, say Zan, at yeah. the end, so what? Mm. And I think that for me, that's what the benediction says. It's Amen. like, and so yeah. what? What are you going to do with all of this? Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, I think what I would add would just be an observation that I've made over time um, that a lot of the fruitful churches that I have been able to experience in some way um, have shown how effective it is for a church to focus around things together. Mm-hmm. And to not be as fragmented, um, one of the best ways to do that is through allowing the sort of the visionary elements of what happens in a church to be rooted in worship. Um, And that affects not just what happens in the sanctuary. You hear too often the phrase sermon series and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that there's a sermon series going on. Well, really what I've seen is in a lot of the churches who have a lot of fruitful ministry outside of that sanctuary space, yeah. <laughs> um, do they have it because they allow what happens in worship 
to shape and form them because everything in the church is centered around what they do at that time mm. in worship. So it's not just about, hey, let's go to worship and we'll do this. Then we'll go to our class and we'll do this and we'll meet That's with right. our groups and we'll do this and our kids will do this. And then everybody's doing all these different things. Yeah, very segmented. But yeah. a lot of those fruitful churches are holistically embracing what happens in worship uh, in a way that affects their place in the community and their work and their ministry there. Yeah, I'd give a hearty amen to that. And and that leads us right into um, the worship resources. Now, we're as an agency, we're tasked with equipping local churches in their disciple-making efforts. And one of the ways that we're perhaps known the most is by our worship resources. That's why people visit our website is for worship resources because the great work that y'all do, right? And they're coming for that, of course, Sunday night and Monday morning for the next week, right? Well, maybe not. <laughs> but they are coming to us either way, and they're looking for us. And one of the new things that we have starting in August is that with our worship resources, we now have um, faith formation resources, specifically a small group resource and some resources for intergenerational ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's now live. And when you hear this podcast, you can go to our website. And, and that very much has been born out of uh, conversations that we've had and this uh, that, that we agree that these things need to be married together. Um, and so I'll let Jackson and, and Cynthia, sure. let y'all say a few words about about that. Well, I think I would start by correcting you. Oh, please. Because you said <laughs> that these are things that, we, that you do. Uh, true. And we're at a point now where we can all say these are things that we, we do. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, very true. And so because speaking French. Yeah, there we go. We, we, for all of our French-speaking folks out there. Um, but the um, but the idea that again embracing what we've learned from a lot of fruitful congregations is that it it truly does take a, a village to put these resources yeah. together. And so this is not, it's it's a little bit more of a crowdsourcing exercise because yeah. we've got a lot of folks who have their hands on Very these true. materials. And um, and so that's, that's really what we've sought to do is to broaden what we offer, not just coming for, you know, hymn suggestions or coming for mm-hmm. preaching notes or coming for this or that and the other, but a way for churches to be able to have access to materials that will allow them to live into the fullness of what we do in worship, so I give kudos to you for that too, because you you've been a part of that and in that evolution too with mm-hmm. these small group resources, absolutely, um, and um, sort of allowing that to rise in its prominence and in its influence for yeah. that. So we hope that these that these materials don't stop at the end of the worship hour or hours. Mm-hmm. We we don't want that to to be limited by that. This is something that we want to try to to offer so that people have an opportunity to, opportunity to live into something differently. Yeah, and I'm glad you made that correction because you're right that we, I think one of the great things about what's happening now is we're drawing in people who have some some specialty, some special knowledge and saying, help us with this particular mm-hmm. um, series because you've mm-hmm. got some special knowledge there. So it's not just us. We are drawing on others and brings a good diversity to it things does. and a richness that, that we may not have had before. So I'm uh, very glad you you mentioned that. So yeah. So right now in August the series is called um, In Love. In Love, yes. Uh, so tell us some of the ones that are upcoming. Um, so the August series currently is In Love. Um, in September we, which is just now up, you can you should be able mm-hmm. to go and find that 
online is Season of Creation, and mm-hmm. we explore themes of creation and the way we interact with the whole of creation uh, through that month. And um, October, we're going to dive into the book of Job. Job. Yes, yes, Job. And <laughs> so it's the, the basis for that is this idea of mystery yeah. and where God is and where God is found. And then that segues perfectly into, um, actually, I guess it's really more about how we, how we interact with God. Yes. And then we find out where God is in November mm-hmm. by a series of um, themes and scriptures in the lectionary pointed toward dwellings. Yeah. That's the theme for, for uh, November. That'll take us through the end of the lectionary calendar year. Um, but we already have materials also in production up through next Easter and beyond. So yeah. they're, yeah, they're still coming. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, be watchful for those. And I know they'll be a great resource for yeah. churches. So Cynthia and Jackson, this has been a lot of fun. We get to carry this conversation on elsewhere. But uh, for this time, thank you for your wisdom. It's our joy. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I hope that conversation was as helpful for you as it was for me. I I certainly learn. I learn a lot from both of them each and every day that I get to work with them, and I learned a lot in our interview today. So I I hope there were some some things in there that were helpful for your small group ministry. I hope you will take advantage of the resources on our website, which you can find at umcdiscipleship.com. Org. Under the worship tab, you'll find the, the ongoing series that we have, and, and you can find resources for each week under that. And one of the tabs you'll see is Faith Formation. That's where you can find the small group resources. And if you do use those, let us know that. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what needs to be improved. Uh, we would love that, that, that very helpful feedback. And, and of course, we want uh, your, your feedback on this podcast. If there's anything you would uh, want us to talk about, please let us know, or people or, or churches that you know of that are doing really well in small group ministry, um, let us know that. Um, you can find me at Rev Scott's Tweets on Twitter, also at UMC Adult Form for adult formation. I want to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. Uh, behind the soundboard is Blake. We also have Matt Carlisle, our web producer, and Steve Horswell Johnson, our executive producer. So until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.